Want to write a novel but not sure where to start? Grab a copy of my free story starter kit workbook by going to savannagilbo.com forward slash starter kit. In this free multi-page guide, I'll walk you through the first five questions to ask and answer before writing any story. You'll get clarity on your characters, your setting, your theme, your plot, and so much more. So one more time, go to savannagilbo.com forward slash starter kit to grab your free copy. Now, remember that for each scene within this multi-scene beat and for every scene in your story, really, you're going to want to show how the external events of the scene impact your protagonist. So how does your protagonist process what's happening around them? Or what do they think and feel about what's happening? This is going to help you create a nice cause and effect trajectory in your story. And it's what's going to give your story that sense of narrative drive or the sense that the story is going somewhere. Welcome to the Fiction Writing Made Easy podcast. My name is Savannah Gilbo, and I'm here to help you write a story that works. I want to prove to you that writing a novel doesn't have to be overwhelming. So each week, I'll bring you a brand new episode with simple, actionable, and step-by-step strategies that you can implement in your writing right away. So whether you're brand new to writing or more of a seasoned author looking to improve your craft, this podcast is for you. So pick up a pen and let's get started. In today's episode, we're going to look at the beginning beats of Blake Snyder's Save the Cat Story Structure Template. And if you aren't familiar with this method, essentially it's a template that subdivides the beginning, middle, and end of a story into 15 beats or plot points. Each of these beats has a specific purpose and serves a particular function within your global story. If you want to learn more about the whole method, you can head over to savethecat.com, which I will link to in the show notes for easy reference. Before we dive in, I want to say that if you haven't done the work to identify your story's global genre or to flesh out your protagonist, I highly recommend pushing pause on this episode and listening to episode one that's all about genre and episode seven about crafting a compelling protagonist for your story. To be super specific, I want you to have a good understanding of what your protagonist wants, what he or she needs, and what kind of conflict he or she will face both externally and internally in the story. Once you have those things figured out, come back and then go through the beats in this episode. Now, as I mentioned in this episode, we're going to look at the five or so beats that make up the beginning portion of a story. We're also going to look at how these beats show up in two different YA stories, The Hunger Games and Everything Everything. And I chose these two because although they're both YA stories, they're very different from each other. So I thought it would be fun and it would give us a good sampling. Before we dig into the specifics, let's quickly talk about the purpose of Act 1 or what we're trying to achieve in the beginning section of a story. Act 1 or this beginning section makes up the protagonist's ordinary world. It's designed to show readers what your protagonist's current life is like before everything starts to change. So what we're really doing is setting up who the protagonist is, what they want at the very start of the story, what they care about, and what they value. Then we get things into motion with the global inciting incident or the catalyst moment, which we're going to go over in a few minutes. And ultimately, by the end of this section, the hero takes his or her first step into act two. Let's quickly talk about word count. So let's say the average novel is about 80,000 words and the beginning section is about 25% of those 80,000 words. That means that in this episode, we're going to look at about 20,000 words in the beginning section spread out across each of these beats. Now, let's also say that on average, you write about 1,500 word scenes. That means we can plan for about 14 scenes to make up this beginning section. I always recommend writing scenes between 1,000 and 2,000 words with that sweet spot really being around 1,500 words. 
And that's because a 1,500-word scene is long enough to convey what's happening and short enough to hold your reader's attention and make them want to continue reading. So, okay, we have about 20,000 words to play with here, and we have about 14 scenes within those 20,000 words. Now, here's something really important that I didn't understand when I first started looking into the Save the Cat plotting method. Some beats in the Save the Cat method are going to be single-scene beats, while others are going to be multi-scene beats. I'm going to explain more about that once we get into each of the beats, but just keep that in mind for right now. So let's dive into each one of the beats within the beginning section of a story. If you want to follow along and take notes or just see a visual of what we're going to talk about, I created a worksheet that goes along with this episode that you can download at savannagilbo.com forward slash scene map. So that's scene map, one word, savannagilbo.com forward slash scene map. Beat number one is the opening image, and this is a single scene beat that shows a before snapshot of the protagonist's life and the flawed world that he or she lives in. So this is literally going to occur within the first scene or the first chapter of your novel. In The Hunger Games, this is when Katniss wakes up in her house in District 12 on the day of the reaping. We meet Katniss, her sister Prim, and her mother, who are poor and underprivileged. Because of that, we understand that Katniss's number one priority for herself and for her family is survival. We don't know what the reaping is, but we soon will. In Everything Everything, this is when we meet Maddie in her all-white room where everything is spotless and clean. She tells us how well-read she is and that all her books come from outside and have to be vacuum-sealed and decontaminated before she gets her hands on them. We don't know why, but we'll find out soon. Now, one thing I really want to point out here is just because this is a snapshot or a glimpse of your protagonist's life before the story starts, that doesn't mean that you should include a bunch of information or backstory. You still need to write a complete scene here. So you need to have a scene with a beginning, a middle, and an end, and with some kind of arc of change that includes the opening image or that satisfies the beat sheet requirement of an opening image. So this means that something needs to be happening and there needs to be a scene. To learn more about writing scenes, you can check out episode number 40 of this podcast that's all about scene structure, which I will link to in the show notes for easy reference. Now, you may have heard the advice to start a story with action, which gets interpreted by a lot of writers as start with big explosions or car crashes or whatever you can come up with. But that's not really what the advice means. So you just want there to be some kind of meaningful action in your opening scene that also communicates to the reader what your protagonist's life is like right now. One easy way to come up with your opening image is to consider what kind of person your character will become by the end of the story. So what is the big lesson that they will learn or how will they change over the course of the story? Then you can go ahead and create the opposite person in the opening image. And with all that being said, that's beat number one, the opening image. Beat number two is the theme stated beat. And this is another single scene beat in which someone other than the protagonist makes a statement or hints at what the protagonist will learn by the end of the story. In our model of having 14 scenes within the beginning of the story, this would show up in scene number two. So in this scene, there's usually a character who tries to help the protagonist by giving them advice, which usually contains the answer to all the protagonist's problems. Unfortunately for the protagonist, they don't listen, and therefore they have to go on this journey that makes up the story in order to transform and to integrate that lesson into their being. So in The Hunger Games, this happens when Gale suggests that Katniss run away with him and leave the district before the capital can ruin their lives any further. 
Katniss blows him off because she's not quite ready to rebel against the Capitol just yet. In Everything, Everything, this occurs quite a bit later in the story than it normally would, and it's when Maddie's nurse says something about how everything in life is a risk, even doing nothing, and that the type of risk she wants to take is really up to her. So we know by now that Maddie doesn't really take risks, but this is something she'll learn to do by the end of the story. And if you need help figuring out the theme of your story, go back and listen to episode number five of this podcast where I go over the three different ways to uncover your story's theme. I will link to that episode in the show notes as well for easy reference. Now, as I mentioned with the opening image beat, you'll want the theme stated beat to occur within an actual scene where something happens too. So the theme needs to be stated in its own scene that has a mini arc of change from beginning to end. You'll also want to show how your character thinks and feels about the events of the scene, specifically how they think and feel about the theme that the other character is trying to convey. This is a really important way to show how your character grows over time, because like Katniss or Maddie, they start feeling out one way about the central theme or lesson, and then they feel completely different about it by the end of the story. So that's beat number two, the theme stated beat. Beat number three is the setup beat. And this is a multi-scene beat in which the reader gets to see what the protagonist's life and their world is like, flaws and all. It's also where important supporting characters and the protagonist's initial goal or the thing that the protagonist thinks will fix his or her life is introduced. So in The Hunger Games, this takes place over a handful of scenes. So we see Katniss meet Gale outside the border of District 12 and go hunting. We learn she's pretty darn skilled with a bow and arrow, which is something she learned from her father, who is now deceased. And we learn that although Gail is attractive, there's nothing romantic going on between them, or so she says. They talk about how they both dislike the Capitol and how they're both worried about the reaping later on today. When Katniss returns home to get ready for the reaping, we learn a little bit more about what the reaping is and how the Capitol justifies holding it year after year. In Everything, Everything, this also takes place over multiple scenes. Here we learn more about Maddie's condition, how she can't ever go outside, and how the only people she sees are her mother and her nurse day in and day out. We see that Maddie is very bored and lonely, which is why she reads so many books, and that she really, really wants a magical cure for her condition that will allow her to go outside. So, like I said, this is a multi-scene beat, which means it takes place over multiple scenes in a row, and this normally occurs from the very beginning of your story to about halfway through that beginning portion of the story. So this would be about six of those 14 scenes that we talked about. Now, we already know that you're going to have one scene that contains the opening image and one scene that contains the theme stated beat. So that means you're going to need about five more scenes to complete this setup section or this multi-scene beat. And yes, that means that the theme stated beat is included within the setup beat. And that's something that really confused me at first when I started to dive into this method. So I just wanted to clarify that here. As I mentioned earlier, it would be great if you already did the work to understand your protagonist because here, you're going to want to show what kind of person they are and what they want in life. It's very, very important that your hero is actively pursuing something when the story starts. So even if it's not something they'll be pursuing throughout the story, there has to be something there from the beginning. And usually this is what the protagonist thinks will fix their life or make them happy. This is also where you'll want to show your protagonist's flaws in action. Your protagonist's life can't be perfect because then there'd be nothing interesting to read about. 
You need to make the reader understand why this character needs to grow and change or why they need to go on the journey of the story in the first place. Without the obvious need for growth or change, it's going to be hard for readers to feel invested in what happens to your character. Also, I want to mention that I heard Blake Snyder say one time that if you're having trouble coming up with scenes here, you can think about your protagonist's home, work, and play. So how can you show your protagonist's ordinary world in terms of their home life, their work life, and then their play or their recreation time? I really like the example from Everything Everything here because Maddie is literally stuck in her house, so the author had to get creative. We see Maddie attend school during the day at home. We see her reading and then posting spoiler reviews of books in her free time, also at home. And then we see her watching movies or playing board games with her mom at night, also at home. So it's a super fun take on this homework and play idea. Now, remember that for each scene within this multi-scene beat and for every scene in your story, really, you're going to want to show how the external events of the scene impact your protagonist. So how does your protagonist process what's happening around them? Or what do they think and feel about what's happening? This is going to help you create a nice cause and effect trajectory in your story, and it's what's going to give your story that sense of narrative drive or the sense that the story is going somewhere. So just keep that in mind. And that's beat number three, the setup beat. Beat number four is the catalyst beat. And this is a single scene beat in which a life-changing event happens to the protagonist and catapults him or her into a new world or a new way of thinking. And using our example of the beginning section having 14 scenes, this would be scene number eight. So after this moment, it should be crystal clear that there's no going back to the normal world that was introduced in the setup. So in the example from The Hunger Games, this is when Katniss's little sister, Prim, is chosen as the female tribute for District 12. Katniss volunteers to take Prim's place in The Hunger Games to protect her sister alongside Peta Malark as the male tribute. And we know that things are never going to be the same for Katniss again. In Everything Everything, this is when a moving van pulls up into the driveway of the house next door and Maddie gets her first glimpse of the new neighbor, a teenage boy named Ollie. And right away, both readers and Maddie get the sense that he's quite different from Maddie. He wears all black, he runs and jumps around all wild, and he just seems very full of life. So their eyes meet through the window and we know that nothing will ever be the same for Maddie again. The catalyst moment most often comes in the form of bad news because most people aren't going to change their ways until something bad happens. The key thing here, though, is that whatever the catalyst moment brings, you want it to be something that happens to your protagonist. So in other words, it needs to directly affect your protagonist and then kind of put them on that road towards change. One thing to look out for here is that you don't want to write a wimpy catalyst moment. This is something I see a lot in the manuscripts I edit, so there will be a catalyst, but it's not really that big of a deal. To pressure test your catalyst moment, you can ask yourself things like, can my protagonist easily return to their normal life after this or not? And if the answer is yes, then that probably means you need to go back to the drawing board or up the stakes on this catalyst moment somehow. Conflict is essential for writing good fiction. It's what makes a good story. If you don't have the proper amount of conflict, readers are going to be like, okay, who cares? That just happened, but so what? And what's the big deal? And that's not really how you want readers to feel when the story is supposed to be just kicking into gear. What I like about the Hunger Games catalyst in particular is that we get a really good sense or a really good reminder of what Katniss's priorities are here. She doesn't have to volunteer to take Prim's place, but she does because her number one priority in life is keeping her family safe and providing for them. 
the only way that she can keep Prim safe is to take her place in the Hunger Games. So all the character work Suzanne Collins did before this beat really pays off here. Although the event itself is a surprise, Katniss's response to the event is not a surprise. And to me, that's pretty cool storytelling. So anyway, that's beat number four, The Catalyst. Beat number five is the debate beat. And this is a multi-scene beat where the protagonist debates what he or she will do next. So just like how the setup beat took up the first half of the beginning or the first half of Act 1, this debate beat will take up the majority of the scenes in Act 2. So in our example of having 14 scenes in this beginning section, this debate beat would be about five of those scenes following the catalyst moment. So if the catalyst beat is scene number eight, then the debate beat would be the five scenes that follow the catalyst. And the purpose of this beat is really just to show your protagonist responding to the events of the catalyst. So usually there's some kind of question raised here in direct response to the catalyst. Something like, should I do this or should I do that? Or what's going to happen next? In The Hunger Games, this is when we see Katniss saying goodbye to her family and getting some last minute advice from Gail. This is also when the mayor's daughter, Madge, gives her the Mockingjay pin, which Katniss promises to wear in the arena. So the question of the debate section here is pretty clear. We're all wondering, is Katniss going to survive the Hunger Games or not? And if she does survive, how is she going to pull it off? In Everything Everything, Maddie can't help but watch Ollie through the window, trying to figure out who he is and what, if anything, will come of their eye contact. Ollie and his sister try to deliver a bunt cake to Maddie's house, but her mother has to decline since the house can't be contaminated with outside germs. Later, when Ollie holds up a piece of paper with his email address on it, Maddie has to decide whether to email him or to continue on with her sterile, lonely life. So here, the debate section is pretty clear, too. We're all wondering, are Maddie and Ollie going to be friends? Are they going to enter into some kind of relationship with each other? Is Maddie finally going to get to go outside, right? We have all these questions popping up. And like I said, this is a multi-scene beat. So if you're stuck here, consider the three arenas of life that Blake Snyder mentioned. He mentioned home, work, and play. So you'll want to show how the protagonist reacts in all three aspects of their life if you're stuck. This doesn't necessarily mean you'll have one scene for work, one scene for home, and one scene for play, but just use those as guidelines to help you brainstorm how your character could react in this section. I should also mention that it's not always a decision like, should I do this or should I do that? For example, in The Hunger Games, Katniss isn't going to change her mind about volunteering to take Prim's place. She probably couldn't even do that if she tried to. So if this is the case in your story, I want you to try shifting the focus to how the protagonist can prepare for what's coming next. So imagine gathering supplies, doing some training, preparing physically, mentally, or emotionally, you know, things like that. And then think of this debate section like, I know I'm going, but am I really ready? And in the reader's mind, that kind of raises that question of, okay, they're going or they're doing this, but how is it going to work out? Usually at this point in time, the protagonist is reluctant to change for one reason or another. So no matter how you write it, this is all about getting your protagonist and your reader ready for what they're about to encounter in Act 2. And that's beat number five, the debate. Beat number six is the break into two. And really, this is the bridge between the beginning and the middle, or between Act 1 and Act 2. So this is a single scene beat in which the protagonist decides to accept the call to adventure that came in the catalyst beat and leave their comfort zone or try something new, 
or venture out into a new world or a new way of thinking. The transition from the Act 1 world into the Act 2 world should feel very different to readers. But that being said, your protagonist doesn't always have to change physical locations. But if they don't change physical locations, then they at least need to be trying something new. So in The Hunger Games, this is when Katniss boards the train with Peeta and their sponsor Haymitch, and they head off toward the capital. They are literally leaving the world from Act 1 and going into the new world of Act 2. In Everything Everything, this is when Maddie emails Ollie and their relationship officially begins. So here, although she's literally in her house still, she's leaving the world of Act 1, a world without Ollie in it, and entering into the new world of having a relationship with Ollie. And I really like this example because she's not physically going anywhere, but she's trying something new. She's taking a step out of her comfort zone and the boundaries of her life and talking to this interesting boy next door. Now, something else I want to mention here is that the decision to move into Act 2 really needs to belong to your protagonist. Someone else can present the decision to your protagonist, but he or she is the one that needs to make the actual choice. In other words, your protagonist needs to be proactive about moving themselves into Act 2. And this is really about A, giving your character agency, and B, showing readers that this is a protagonist who is willing to try something new. So they don't know if it's going to work out, and we don't know if it's going to work out, but at least they're not just sitting there being 150% resistant to change. Because that would be a really boring story, right? Think of it this way. Whatever you decide is the thing your protagonist wants, or whatever they think will fix their life or make them happy, that's what they will probably be pursuing as they step into Act 2. So it should feel proactive no matter what type of flaw you've set your protagonist up with. Even if your protagonist doesn't get everything right right away, by this point they're at least trying and this is what's going to help readers latch onto your protagonist and root for them to succeed. I've seen that some people include this beat in Act 2, but I like to think about it when I'm mapping out Act 1 because to me it feels like we're closing out one section of the character's life and opening up a new one. So I like to think about it as closing out Act 1 and opening the door to Act 2. But you think about it in whatever way makes sense to you. I just wanted to throw that out there in case it helps. And that's the sixth beat, or the break into two, the bridge between Act 1 and Act 2 of the story. And that's it for the beginning beats of the Save the Cat method. I'm going to be doing at least two more episodes, maybe even three, where we talk about the beats that make up the middle and the end of a story too. So stay tuned for that if you're interested in learning more about this method. For now, let's recap the beats we just went over that make up the beginning portion of your novel. And remember, if you're using the same math that I used as an example, this would be about 20,000 words and about 14 scenes at 1,500 words apiece. So I'll say that one more time. This section would be about 20,000 words, 14 scenes at 1,500 words apiece. Now let's recap those beats really quickly. Beat one is the opening image, which takes place in the first scene of your novel. This is essentially a before snapshot of the protagonist's life and the flawed world that they live in. Beat number two is the theme stated beat where a supporting character hints at the theme or the lesson that the protagonist needs to learn by the end of the book. Beat number three is the setup, which is a multi-scene beat that essentially makes up the first half of your beginning section after the opening image and includes the theme stated beat. Of your 14 scenes, this would be about five of them. Beat number four is the catalyst, which occurs about halfway through act one and is usually some kind of life-changing event that happens to the protagonist. Of your 14 scenes, this would be scene number eight. 
Beat five is the debate, and this is a multi-scene beat in which the protagonist reacts to the catalyst and debates what he or she is going to do next. Of your 14 scenes, this would be about five of them. And finally, beat six is the break into two, which is really the bridge between act one and act two. This will be your 14th scene in act one. If this structure resonates with you, there are a few really fantastic books that you can check out that I will link to in the show notes. My personal favorite is Save the Cat Writes a Novel by Jessica Brody, and there's also the original Save the Cat book by Blake Snyder. Both are great and both go into way more detail and give way more examples than I can do on a podcast episode. So I will link to those books in the show notes if you guys want to check them out. And if this plotting method doesn't resonate with you, that's okay too. There's no right way to plot out a novel, but I wanted to cover this one first because I know that so many of you listening love the Save the Cat method. I get tons of questions on it all the time. I personally think it's a great one. So either way, I hope you enjoyed this episode and that it got the creative juices flowing. If you want to download the freebie that goes along with this episode, head over to savannagilbo.com forward slash scene map. So that's scene map, one word, savannagilbo.com forward slash scene map. So that's it for today's show. As always, I want to thank you so much for tuning in and showing your support. If you want to check out any of the links I mentioned in this episode, you can find them over at savannagilbo.com forward slash podcast. And if you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe to the show because there's going to be another brand new episode coming out next week. If you're an Apple user, I'd really appreciate it if you took a few seconds to leave a quick rating and review. Your ratings and reviews tell iTunes that this is a podcast that's worth listening to. And in turn, that helps this show get in front of more fiction writers just like you. So that's it for today's show. I'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Until then, happy writing.